Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested, and clean label project certified. Oh, and our vitamin D3? It comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The sport is just going to die if they don't break to designate hitters to the National League. We got fresh, frozen <laughs> strawberry margaritas, and Terry's bringing us chips and salsa all night long. Nick's hips do not lie. <laughs> yeah. I got a MF wagon. Like, <laughs> let's be real. <laughs> the Washington Nationals are the world Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Half Street High Heat. You can find them wherever your podcasts are downloaded or sold. With me, as always, is Ray Knight. Uh, Johnny, I think this is going to be a great episode. I do. They're going to talk baseball, Johnny, and the baseball is the reason they talk and what they talk about. I think that's important to talk about baseball, and if you're a baseball podcast, you're going to end up talking lots of baseball. Well, that's awesome. Thank you very much, Johnny and Ray. Bob Carpenter with you here. And now- Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Half Street High Heat. Thank you, as always, for joining us. We really appreciate all of you listening. I'm joined, as always, by my mellifluous co-hosts, Nick and Ryan. Be sure to find us all on Twitter and follow the show at Half Street High Heat, and you can find all of our handles there. Uh, you can also find all of our latest news and announcements. And don't forget to check out our new website, halfstreethighheat.com, which is updated daily with outtakes from the pod, great articles, polls, all kinds of fun stuff. So make sure you check it out. And uh, also don't forget to visit our new YouTube channel, The Rundown with Half Street High Heat, which had a fantastic video as an introduction to Josh Bell uh, just a couple days ago. So if you missed that, you are missing the boat. So make sure you go back and see it. You will thank us later. How are you guys doing? What was that word? Mellifluous. If that means you you haven't been able to trust a fart all day, then yeah, that's us. <laughs> it's something like that. Look it yeah. up. Google's your friend. Yeah. I had a good eats weekend, actually. Oh. So admittedly, I'm, I've never been the best grilled cheese maker. So I spent the weekend trying to look up recipes, uh, you know, for these gourmet fancy grilled cheeses mm-hmm. so got a bunch of different cheese selections and of course sourdough bread because i've been told that that's the way to go and i was not disappointed a little rosemary on, on the what do you call those things is it is it a griddle or a skillet you know, um the, there are two different things but they're very similar if it's a yeah. skillet a pan is a skillet all right so the griddle 
Okay. Um, threw a little rosemary on there with a little butter. And then, uh, so I had four different, I guess five different types of cheeses. And I wanted the works just to see how it turned out. But I was turned on to a new cheese, which I don't know how well-versed you guys are on your cheeses. We can do a, a quick, I am a cheese connoisseur. Yeah, I was so. going to say, we can do a quick cheese debate if we need to. Um, Gruyere. I think that's how you say it. Or did it. you just learn about Gruyere? Gruyere is sublime. Uh, yeah. I, uh, like I said, I'm not, you know, the the biggest grilled cheese connoisseur. Uh, I'm trying to get there, educate myself mm-hmm. a little bit, but Gruyere was life-changing. Mm-hmm. I buy mine cow. at Costco just to tell you how much I like Gruyere. So. <laughs> that was really, really good. But, you know, through all the other usual stuff. What were the other there, four? Uh, sharp Cheddar. Colby Jack, provolone, um, mozzarella. Mm. Are you a blue cheese person? No, God, no. Oh, I love blue cheese. Love it. That just explains a lot. Oh, it's so good. It's an acquired taste for sure, but it is so spectacular. (sighs) And it's great on a grilled cheese sandwich. Yeah. I I also threw some uh, caramelized onions on there. Also Mm. very good. And then just to for variation, I like threw uh, some uh, deli meat on there mm-hmm. and some prosciutto just to see, you know. Just, what was your thought? Because I'm a no meat in my grilled cheese person. I'm a purist. I love grilled cheese sandwiches, and I don't like meat in them. See, the and they're meat, not a grilled cheese anymore. They're just a sandwich. This is true. But, you know, I was kind of trying to test those waters uh, because, again, I – this this is new to me, so I needed to figure out how my cheese melts and what it goes with, what it doesn't go with, what's right, what's wrong. You know, I, I'm experimenting uh, with my grilled cheese uh, sexuality, and um, <laughs> it, it was fine, but I agree. It was more of a sandwich at that point, and I think if I presented that to anyone who was a, a grilled cheese snob that, you know, I Like would, myself. Yeah, I would get, you know, properly berated, and, you know, we don't want that. So that's just something I keep to myself. So which, so you just had the one type of grilled cheese with the five cheeses. You didn't like branch out and make multiple grilled cheese permutations to see what you liked best. No, I mean, I, I will going forward, but that was just the one rendition to start. And then we'll go from there. You know what else is a really, really good cheese for grilled cheese sandwiches is Havarti. Heard of it, never had it, but it's really, it's kind of like a Swiss cheese um type of thing it's kind I'm of fine with swiss. Nice. i know some, I, yeah i know some people don't like swiss but i like swiss i like swiss too this is even better than swiss it's got like a really it's really creamy cheese and it's kind of like a nutty flavor it's super good i like to put it on grilled cheese sandwiches and gruyere and cheddar that's kind of my go-to but i love grilled cheese sandwiches but i'm i like i said i like grilled onions on a lot of things like i put grilled onions on or you know sauteed them down like with mushrooms or garlic and i love them on steaks and other stuff but with grilled cheese i just want Grilled cheese. I want cheese and buttered bread. Yeah, I mean that's the the backbone of America right there. That's it. It's what it's 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 what this country is built on. That I mean, and microwaved hot dogs. Oh, are, were you the person arguing for microwaved hot dogs? I'm sorry. We need to. We're kind of going off on a tangent here. I don't know if any of you were on. Uh, we were all talking to each other on Twitter a little while ago before we recorded about broiled versus or boiled versus grilled versus microwaved hot dogs. Uh, Please tell me you weren't the one advocating for microwaving hot dogs. Ryan's going to chime in with neither uh, because he's just <laughs> he's just a snob. With the, I could hear him waiting to say neither. So yeah, I'm I could be- feel him lurking behind us. Yeah, They're so disgusting. I'm going to beat him to that punch. Um, 
So I was only arguing for microwaved if you take grilled out of the equation. I want to make that very clear. Microwaved is like all the way at the bottom of the list of ways you should prepare I'd, a hot dog. I'd and rather, then you should only do it if you're under 10 years old. I'd rather eat a hot dog raw than boil it. Have you, you even had technically a good boiled hot dog? dog? Raw, but you I, can because they are cooked, but they're but raw. I'm saying, raw. I, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I would rather eat it raw than boiled. Boiled is just like a soggy, wet piece of meat. It's disgusting. It's like saying you prefer chicken to be boiled as opposed to grilled. It's disgusting. No, but I do like chicken when it's if if you cook it in a nice if you cook it in a nice little bit of liquid, let it get nice and juicy, and then you sear it. You got the searing is the key. See, boiled hot dogs are fantastic. They're juicy and wonderful. Oh. But I don't like them unless you sear them afterwards. I like to boil them and then take and them out. Gross. You put some butter in the bottom of the pan and then sear them so that you know screaming hot pan with butter so they get a nice sear on the outside. So you get the juicy in the middle and the nice sear on the outside. Microwave hot dogs are for children. Little children who don't know what's good. I mean, that, I don't even take offense to that because, again, grilled is the way to go. I just yeah, I've we only, all agree on this. Yeah, I've only microwave. Well, except Ryan. Um, <laughs> except I've, Ryan. I've only microwave hot dogs if like it's two thirty in the morning and I'm just hungry. Ugh. No, nope. I'd rather go hungry than eat a microwave hot dog. But grilled is the best about hey, this. You also good. add butter to your hot dogs. Like your arteries, <laughs> your arteries Everything are begging is for help. With- butter your arteries, My arteries are, are not in charge for of help they, they, they're just gonna have to shut up and do what they're told yeah they're they are gonna shut up and they will be the last laugh <laughs> maybe eventually i have great blood pressure get it tested every year there you now, go i don't actually eat a lot of hot dogs i almost only eat them when i go to the ballpark i'm not a big hot dog person well if i'm going to the ballpark i'm sure as hell not eating a hot dog <laughs> I know, there's too many other there. I'm getting pupusas when I get back. Oh my god, park. I love those so much. I know they're so good. I miss them terribly. I miss we their have nachos. a good pupuseria out here actually. That's like a little hole in the wall place. It's super delicious. Somehow I don't believe that it's that good. Hmm. Well. Hey, Winchester is known for its cuisine. Okay. <laughs> it is definitely not. But there are a few good restaurants out here. I used to work in Arlington years ago. And man, it was the worst part when I stopped working out there was not being able to go yeah. to any, like get any cuisine from the face of the earth that you wanted. You can get in Arlington. Florida is also known for its sanity. You know, yeah, same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Florida definitely has a reputation to uphold. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't live there. It rains too much. It's too hot. There's too many hurricanes, and then there's the people that live there. That guy on Reddit who absolutely blasted us for talking about insane stuff to begin the podcast is going to love this. Oh, I know. I hope he's listening to this one because we're, what, 10 minutes in, and we haven't talked about baseball yet. No. Ryan, do you have anything to share since we've talked about grilled cheese and hot dogs so far? Yeah. um, Since we're talking about cooking, might as well keep talking about cooking. Um, So on Saturday, I was like, you know what? I'm going to make myself some taquitos for dinner. Mm. I was excited. I was going to make my own homemade tortillas, but like I couldn't find a le- recipe that didn't have lard in it. I'll send you mine. Like, I have a great one. Does it have lard in it? It does not. All right. I don't like it because I kept seeing these recipes. I'm like that's absolutely disgusting. I'm not putting lard in it. So I made my refried beans. I made my guac. I made my pineapple salsa. I made the rice. I made everything. I made my meat. I'm going to fold it and my corn tortillas just explode. Like they're just not staying together and I'm getting frustrated. I'm putting more olive oil on it, less filling. They're just crumbling. I'm like, great. Not going to have taquitos. Luckily for me, 
I'm smart. I'm an improviser. When I see adversity, I figure out how to get through it. I just made some homemade delicious enchilada sauce. I'm like, screw it. I'm turning these bad boys into enchiladas. Covered in sauce, added some cheese, those bad boys, baked them a little bit longer, topped it off with lettuce, my pineapple salsa. Oh, my God. It was so good. I turned a travesty into a victory, much like Trey Turner winning MVP this year. Rihanna's dropping a new album because of him. That's how my uh, taquitos went, turned them into enchiladas. was fantastic. Wow. I do admire your ingenuity. That's Amen. That well done. When life, life hands you lemons, you make That's enchiladas. Right. That's exactly the way that saying goes. Did you did you squeeze a little lime on the enchiladas? Give it a little bit of a. I'm not a monster. I use like four or five. What am I an animal? <laughs> I know, like you're making beans, rice, guac. Oh, like, it sounds so. And some crema, good. like a lot of lime. Mm-hmm. I wasn't hungry until this conversation started, and now mm. I'm like gonna have to snack when we finish recording. Are you saying the microwave hot dog conversation that make you hungry? I, it did not, but the uh, <laughs> the taquitos turned enchiladas recipe did the trick. Oh, uh, they're so good. We've been trying to do birio tacos. Do you know what those are? Those ones that they're like, they're street food in Mexico, and they've become really popular in L.A. and now in New York. And they're basically like this big hunks of beef, and they cook it in like a, you know, brothy consomme kind of soup. And then they pull it out, and they put it on the tacos, and then they serve you a cup of the soupy, like, meat, the sauce that the the beef cooked in and you take your tacos and you dip them in the consomme before you eat them. And it looks so fantastic. And since we can't go to New York right now and try them, we've been trying to make them at home and we've tried twice and failed miserably both times. So I'm going to have to try mm, Those them. sounds so good. They are. Oh my God. They look so good. <laughs> I've watched like 23 videos on YouTube of people eating birria tacos. I'm like, Oh, I want to go to New York. But anyway, that's my current, um, Thing I'm trying to master is to do these tacos. So I'm going to keep trying. When I come up with a decent recipe, I'll share it with you guys. Anyway, so that was a lot of talk about food, and now I'm hungry. Shall we talk about baseball? Let's talk about baseball with another week in review. Position players are returning this week, and pitchers and catchers have had multiple workouts already, but Major League Baseball's problematic offseason continues. This time, we head to the Pacific Northwest to the Marlins, where President and CEO Kevin Mather went on Zoom. Mariners. Uh, what did I say? Marlins. Okay, thanks. You don't have to scream and interrupt me like that. Sorry, I was eating. I was trying to catch you before you got to Re- Reading hot dogs? <laughs> Microwave hot Microwaved, baby. <laughs> All right, so Mariners President and CEO, CEO Kevin Mather went on Zoom with his breakfast club, because, you know, we all breakfast clubs, and he decided to brag and make some noteworthy comments. He said how MLB will have an automated strike zone in 2022, either at the minors or the professional level. Level. He said things are not good between MLB and the union, and he said they expect some small number of fans in April and May. Thing is, it got worse much worse. Uh, Mather admitted that they will not be having their top prospect on the opening day roster due to him turning down a six-year contract they offered. He also said they had no plan to bring up prospects last year as they do not want their service time to start. He also said their favorite thing is to, quote, lowball certain types of players who see these contracts as life-changing money and they can sign up for much lower than market value they could get in free agency. End quote. He also said this will be Kyle Seeger's last year with the team, to which his wife tweeted, should we put our house on the market? The MLBPA responded to these comments saying, quote, 
highly disturbing yet critically important window into how players are genuinely viewed by management, not just because of what was said, but because it represents an unfiltered look into club and ownership thinking. End quote. Mather wasn't done there. Mather continued and complained about having to pay for an interpreter and said, quote, we told him to his face that they were not paying for his interpreter. His English suddenly got better after that. End quote. Mather also made comments about players using their full names complaining about their English speaking skills. It was announced today that Mather was resigning in his 25 year reign of mistreating women, mistreating players and mistreating the city of Seattle is finally over. If you wonder why he got to resign, it's because the ownership agreed with everything he said. You're naive to think only the Mariners have this approach to players. As Josh Donaldson tweeted, they are, quote, thankful these comments went public because it proves that they, what they've been saying for years. And more importantly, it takes away any and all leverage the owners may have had entering the CBA negotiations. To other news, nine MLB players and four staff test positive in the first return to camp COVID test. Pitchers across the league are happy that the balls have been deadened and have been asked heavily at spring training so far. And the one common theme is that pitchers say the ball is much easier to grip. Albert Pujol's wife said on Instagram that he'll be retiring at the end of the season. Lindor is excited to make his spring training debut with the Mets, and he said they have not yet had any contract extension talks. He's set to be a free agent at the end of the year. The Nats signed Jeremy Jeffries to a minor league deal. Diamondbacks signed old friend Tyler Clippard. And this week in review has been brought to you in part by your local neighborhood Chili's. Stop on in or order carryout order delivery on Grubhub and treat yourself to a nice midday lunch with their meal for two special. That's two drinks, two entrees, and a dessert for one great price. This has been your Week in Review. Happy National Margarita Day, baby. You're... Indeed. I, I feel like we can't get away from talking about food. We even ended the Week in Review talking. <laughs> Talking experience. about food again. Um, so let's unpack Mather's comments a little bit. I know you did a great thorough explanation there, Ryan. Um, yeah, this is just kind of bananas. You know, this is what we all know. Everybody knows this is the way that the the ownership handles things and how they think. And the stuff about the service time, like everybody knows that if you've got a guy who, you know, you don't want to start his service time, you keep him down for a month before this, you know, at the beginning of the season, before you bring him up, like everybody knows that they do that. But to hear it just stated so baldly is, uh, is a little bit of a thing. I, I don't recall ever hearing anyone speak so plainly about it before. Yeah. And like, this wasn't something that they wanted the media or the players to know and this was on youtube for three whole weeks before it got deleted um the breakfast club like puts all their zoom notes on youtube and some reporter was just on youtube and stumbled across it guess who's down hero those, right <laughs> those youtube um like rabbit holes and he just started writing down everything he said because he knew it was going to be deleted as soon as he reported it and he reported it out and the mariners are pretty lucky that they're the Mariners, um, if they're a big franchise, Major League Baseball have a disaster on its hands, even though they should. Um, and his comments are just gross. They it confirms gross. everything that we know that one players, I mean, yeah, the players aren't valued by the owners. And two, racism and sexism runs very deep in this league, a whole issue that we've touched on. If you look at the CBA negotiations, this is huge ammo for the players. Mm -hmm. The owners just lost all their leverage. The players now have it in video and in writing because it's been transcribed how they view them and how they think of the players. So 
What's this mean? We're probably going to get a lockout or the players are going to get a hell of a lot of stuff in CBA negotiations that they want. That's kind of like the one small positive out of a very disgusting situation. I just can't believe this guy said this stuff knowing that these things were recorded. Like, why would you go in front? It wasn't a rotary club. Like, why yeah, would it's you like his go? breakfast club? <laughs> yeah, like, why would you go? But it, regardless, like in front of any camera and say things like this, it is just unbelievable. Like, did he not know he was being recorded? No, it was just it's the same thing we run into with the Jared Porter situation. And, you know, on and on and on, like these people think they're untouchable because yeah. they, they've gotten away exactly. with this for X amount of years. I mean, this guy was the Mariners. I don't know, president or, you know, in the organization for 25 years. You think this is the first time that he's had these kind of opinions and has voiced them to mm-hmm. other people? No shot. So I, the only thing I wish, um, you know, we could have gotten while he was still president, ask him, you know, more questions that we want to know. Like, ask him. Yeah, I wish know, somebody what, had been prying a little bit more. Right. A- ask him what the MLB's revenue is. Ask him, you know, <laughs> like who killed Tupac? Like, ask him everything because uh-huh. he, this dude was just shelling out information left and right. But Ryan, you know, is exactly right. Like, it sheds more light on what we've already known. Like, something a, a debate like the Universal DH is, you know, pretty split fifty-fifty. But I, I think the something like the players versus the owners. I, from what I can tell, the large majority is in favor of the players, as it should be. But until you know recently a lot of the arguments for the players or the, a lot of the examples as to why uh, the players are being so wronged have been kind of like vague. You haven't had that concrete evidence, but this is one of the first pieces of concrete evidence we've gotten just because, you know, the service time manipulation, the, you know, blatant racism towards, you know, these highly touted prospects but they can't speak english so they think you know 24 million dollars is life-changing money like look at ronald acuna that contract compared to fernando tatis are you kidding me at this point acuna is better than tatis and he signed for a third of what tatis just got and Mm -hmm. he's played like twice as many games It, it makes no sense and you know that goes to my another another point you know the future of this game ronald acuna Juan Soto, Fernando Tatis, and more are not white. They are minorities. And they all came up in the same situation. I can't remember the Mariners prospect who um, who uh, Mather was talking about, but they all came up not knowing a lot of English. It's just the way it is. They usually take English classes, you know, or have translators or something, but that's just the way the game works. Yeah, and I'll bet their English is better than his Japanese or... Right, right. A lot of the premier talent and a lot of the talent in general comes from, you know, foreign countries. It's the way it is. A lot of your favorite players are not, you know, American born or, you know, English is not their first language. And that's fine. But to be a president of a major league organization and have this kind of mindset is disgusting. And again, Ryan's absolutely right that you are ignorant to believe that this starts and ends with the Mariners. This is league-wide, for sure. Yeah, it is. I also like... Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Ryan. I like how he was like, my comments do not represent the organization. Like, home, you're the CEO. You are You've been there for 25 years. (laughs) Also, this guy's a piece of shit, okay? 
in it, he complained about the homelessness that's around the park and how he complained that he had to have police walk the staff to their... I forgot about that. He complained that he had to have the police officers walk the staff to the parking lot because he didn't let them park in the one close on site because he realized he could charge 20, 30 bucks for that parking settling staff park there for free, which is funny because... He sued the city when the city tried to take away a tax break he got because they wanted to use that money to fix the homeless problem. He sued the city over that and won, and he's the reason why that homeless issue is so bad around the park. And it's just funny. Like, dude, like you learn how to blame yourself. You sued the city over this, and you're upset about it. The guy just sucks, and I'm glad he's out of baseball. He's not the only person who thinks like this. He's not the only person who's said and done things like this. Mariners have a lot of issues on their hands, and there's a lot of people around baseball right now who are real nervous that stuff like this is going to get leaked about them. Yeah, and can we just touch on the fact that this guy and one of the other um, executives who worked closely with him both had to settle about 10 or 12 years ago lawsuits with their executive assistants who they had, whom they had sexually harassed? Right. So to throw on top of this, we're back to the same story we've talked about so much lately, which is the, the sexism and the sexual harassment that's rampant in baseball. So this guy not only had all of these, you know, nasty comments about minority players and homeless people and all this, but he also is a sexual harasser who like, I can't believe this guy was still in their organization. Yeah. And like with the Marin, this is a baseball wide problem. I'm hell. It's a sports wide problem, but uh, for the Mariners in particular, you, you you know it's systemic. Like Ryan said, this guy was the CEO, r- essentially running the team for years and years and years. You Decades. think, you, yeah, you you think that this guy was going to have people working for him that did not have the same view, maybe one or two, but like the majority of the people working for him must have had the same mindset. He so. was setting that corporate culture. So yeah, exactly. That's a perfect way to put it. It's it's the culture. It's what we see with the Mets. It's what we see with the Washington football team. You know, you can pick teams in any sport and pick the one that has terrible culture because it's such a prevalent thing and you can't get rid of it with just getting rid of one guy here and there. It's literally systemic. Does it feel a little bit, though, like a snowball rolling down a hill? Like, I feel like there's so many more of these stories lately than I've ever seen before where these people are. Yeah, because the onion, the onion is starting to get peeled back. And with a lot of the organizations, like when one person came forward about the sexual harassment, that gave confidence to a lot more people to come forward. And the onion is finally starting to peel back to baseball's ugly culture and we're going to continue to keep getting these stories until all these people are exposed yeah i bet you're going to start to see a lot of these guys that know there's stuff out there about them that's ugly are going to just start retiring like i think you'll see that with players and with executives i'll bet i'll bet a lot of people will decide i don't want to be here when this shit hits the fan pardon my french yeah i mean i think to an extent and certainly hope so that people like this you know get exposed for who they really are and who they've really been this entire time um but it's uh for the people that are quote-unquote smart they're just going to do a better job of hiding it and they're going to keep getting away with it because the people who, who are truly in charge aren't doing anything about it despite them knowing again these aren't isolated incidents this is a league wide problem that is finally coming to light but it's not going to get fully resolved unless you know we peel back the curtain yeah you just got to keep the sunshine coming in this was my favorite part about Mather's comments when he resigned was 
Uh, these comments didn't reflect the Mariners, don't reflect what I believe, what our ownership believes, and were inappropriate. Like, what do you mean they don't reflect what you believe? Yeah, I'm just going to lie that. to my breakfast like, club. I'm going to lie to the homies. Yeah, right. Yeah, Like, right. what do you mean they yeah, don't right. reflect what you believe? They're what you said when you thought nobody was listening. They're exactly what I you I go to brunch at Wegmans at the pub with Ryan every Sunday. I never lie to him. Not once. Not never. Oh, that sounds nice. I love Wegmans. It's my Rotary Club. Yeah. Well, anyway, that one is a nasty situation. Glad to see that guy get what was coming to him. So may many, many more guys like that get what's coming to them. Yep. Preach. Let's move on to our Nats spat segment. Um, we've got some fun stuff to talk about. Jeremy Jeffries signed to a minor league contract. Did they just steal him? Like, what happened here? That is an owner's dream, right? Wait, what <laughs> yeah. happened a here? A player's market just completely dissolves and they get desperate. So owner just goes, thank you, and just plucks them off the market. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the Nats sign two reliever of the year finalists from 2020. Jeremy Jeffries is good. I fully expect him to be on the opening day roster. I'll be shocked if he isn't. That, like If something goes wrong and he sucks in spring training, literally no harm, no foul. If he's good, which I assume he will be, he'll make it. Um, in 2018 and 2020, he had ear race sub two, and he had a fantastic whip. Um, 2019, he did struggle, but to the last three years, he's been rock solid. We know who he is. He's a hard-throwing guy. He's going to you know, make faces, make all those weird like sounds on the mound. Fantastic energy. Good pickup. Um, yeah. And the wild thing is, on paper, Nats have a pretty deep bullpen, which I feel like we've never said about a yeah, team. Yeah, have we before. ever gone into a season with a bullpen like this? I'm looking at it going, you're going to have to make hard decisions about who stays and who goes. Like, what a nice problem to have. Yeah, it's, it's crazy because it kind of just happened – under our nose to an extent you know we knew rainy was poised for another big season we were counting on bounce back years from hudson and harris and whatnot but i think the glaring need for a lefty kind of uh, you know blinded us from just how good this bullpen can be and insert a brad, brad hand and now a jeremy jeffress and you're like wait a minute <laughs> you know this is pretty solid like other teams uh, just look at the phillies like holy hell and then yeah. you look at the Nats compared to what two, even three years ago, you're like, damn, this is, you know, this is quietly solid. Like I've been talking about for weeks, how I just wish the Nats would have stacked depth that one position and they kind of have, and I just haven't noticed. So, you know, I admit yeah. I, I was slightly wrong on that, but you know, Jeremy Jeffress, again, it was 2018, but he was the guy that held off Josh Hader for the closers job. He was that good. Yeah. And that 2018 Brewers team seems like a lifetime ago now. They were one game away from the World Series. And he, Jeremy Jeffress was a huge part of that. So in, you know, 2019, he struggled, but he, he was solid again last year for the, for the Cubs. So, and you know what I like the best about this deal is you just made the point. Like we've talked so much about how they're counting on bounce back years from so many people and you, Harris and Hudson are a great example of that. You're counting on bounce back years. Well, what if they don't bounce back this kind of depth assigning like this makes it so that if they don't bounce back or they're not as good as you hope they can be, you have options. And I just love seeing that kind of depth and they're going to have to said, I mean, not all of these guys are, <laughs> There's a lot of guys in camp who aren't going to be with the club. It's it's usually the last couple of years. I feel like all we've been going is, oh my God, we have all these schlubs in our bullpen. And this year, it's we've got guys you wouldn't want to let go, and you're gonna you're gonna have to not have them on your opening day roster. 
Yeah, like give me this guy over Suero. And like I I'm fine Does with he have options? I saw something. I think so. Yeah. But you know, with Suero, I, I think a, a lot of his struggles were due to overuse and specifically Davey using him in the wrong situations. Uh, I think he can be fine in like a, a limited role, like quote unquote last guy out of the bullpen. I think he can be effective in that role, at least more so than he was. But give me Jeffers over Swear all day. But I think, you know, they might arrange their bullpen in such a way that they might have a ninth arm out of the bullpen because that's their area of depth. So why shorthand yourself? Yeah, that's a really good point. You know, I'm expecting eight, but why couldn't they do nine? Yeah, I mean, especially if that ninth is uh, uh, Voth or, you know, if a we guy get who can be a long reliever. If you right. It, it, it makes more sense to do that um, because right now you're look. Yeah, ideally, it's probably another bench bat, but or just bench guy. But no one really stands out. I mean, I, I would say Jordy Mercer is probably the favorite right now just because he can play short. But, you yeah, know, and Trey Turner's going to need a day off at least right, sometime. <laughs> right. Would you rather Jordy Mercer or Jeremy Jeffress? The answer yeah, is pretty easy. Not though. a hard question. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. I love seeing this kind of depth in the bullpen. I'm excited about it. I, um, I'm i just curious to see who's the odd man or men out when yeah, they break camp. Yeah, as we get closer to uh, the season, we'll have to do like our – 26 man roster predictions and whatnot, but that'll be fun. Yep. That will be fun. Okay. Um, so Davey had a lot of things to say this week. There's a lot so, of interviews. Oh, sorry. No, I was just, I was just going to say, I have his full quote. So I was oh, going to yeah, read yeah. it off. Um, yeah. So Davey spoke to the media for the first time this season and in it, he was asked about Trey Turner and Victor Robles, where he said that they don't think they're getting the most out of Trey Turner. And he also talked about the potential of Robles leading on. And he says, quote, honestly, I would like to get Robles up at the top of the lineup, even if it's just against left-handed pitching. So we'll see how that plays out. I like to get Trey somewhere second or third, maybe, but we'll see how it plays out this spring. He also said, we do not think we're getting the most out of Trey production potential, end quote. So potential lineup, we could see a Robles Soto Trey or even a Robles Trey Soto lineup. Um, it would it would elongate this lineup a hell of a lot, but you need to see a big improvement from Robles. That's the biggest question here is can Robles get on at a higher clip than 320? Yeah, and that's the you know the thing that's going to determine just how viable the option is because I I mean he's certainly capable of having the breakout year. I'm not trying to take that away from him, but to this point, there hasn't been, you know, reason. Luis Garcia has had a better stint in the majors than Victor Robles has had yet. Mm-hmm. Like that That's the reality we're looking at. And not to say Robles can't be, you know, productive, but leadoff is a position you can't just throw random guys there. And, you know, I, I yeah, get... They're going to get the most at-bats on your team. You've got right. to have Like, I get, you know, wanting to maximize everyone but if the guy at the top isn't getting things started then what is the point like then mm-hmm. you're then trey's up with one out soto's up with one or two outs like it you know you're just hurting the rest of the lineup but if he's just trying it out against lefties you know that's a start but if you're really worried about or trying to maximize trey's potential just hit soto second then trey's going to get pitches to hit 
Like, if that's truly your concern, then hitting Soto second's the way to go because people are going to pitch t- to future uh, 2021 national MVP Trey Turner as opposed <laughs> to the best hitter on the planet, Juan Soto. Yeah. Well, that's a really good point. I don't, I don't think Davey will do it, at least not to start the season. And I love the idea of having somebody hit in front of Trey. I love it. It would be great if Trey could hit with somebody on. But, if only you know, they had, really- you know, signed someone to do so. Yeah, if only, but you know, a true leadoff guy, man, that would be a nice, nice thing to have in this lineup. <laughs> but um, I don't know. I mean, I hope Robles can be that guy, but I, I don't. Well, we haven't seen any evidence that he can. But I mean, maybe this will be a you know a breakout year, and and he'll show that he can do that. But you said if he's getting on at a three twenty pace, you know, you don't want not good enough. Yeah, it's not good enough. You don't. I'd rather have Trey up there. You know, who's going to be on for, for especially Soda. for a quote unquote contender. Yeah. yeah, and we're gonna we're gonna find out what they have in Robles this year and how he's looking. They already said that he's lost weight and he's in better shape than he was last year when we reported. Best shape um, of his life, would you best say? shape of his life. <laughs> Davey said that he wants his starters to play more in the home stretch in spring training. Mm-hmm. He wants them to be May first ready on April first. Why? Because the Nats schedule to start the season sucks. It's brutal. It is brutal. It is every single contender in the National League they have to start. It's not fun. They realize that. So they want guys ready, and they're going to put them out there a lot. So we're going to see a lot of Robles leading off in spring training. So a couple weeks in spring training, we're going to have our answer spring um, if Robles can handle it, which is good, and that'll be another thing we can look forward to, except no games are on TV, and the Nats aren't posting any content on it. So. Yeah, like nothing. There's no. I mean, I know they fired the entire social media team, so I guess that's that's what we get. But literally, there's nothing on TV. There's nothing on social media. It's like it's not even happening. We get some reporters who are down there, and not even all the reporters are down there yet. So yeah, that's a whole other topic of how much Masson sucks. But yeah. let's talk about things that don't suck, which is that after all my months of bitching and kvetching, we finally got an update on Steven Strasburg. And apparently, he's healthy. Which would have been really nice to know, Davey right. and company. Like, why can't you have said that? <laughs> why couldn't somebody have said he feels great? The surgery went well. Fifteen minutes after the surgery, it felt like nothing had ever happened. Yeah, apparently Strauss woke up and his thumb felt fine immediately after waking up a surgery when he had surgery what in like November. Right. You couldn't tell us that. Why was this a secret? <laughs> But leave it to a freaking national star to be you know quiet and not outspoken. Like holy hell just annoying <laughs> it is but the great news is that he has now spoken to the media he says he feels great his hand feels fantastic that he's he feels super ready for the season i am so excited if we get a year of healthy strasburg feeling great i i think he's best pitcher be on the a, planet he's gonna be a cy young contender best pitcher on the planet and especially with scherzer banged up like i know it's not that serious but you know that's time away from your normal spring training routine for scherzer mm-hmm. especially going into age 37 yes he can still do it but you know it's not ideal so having Strauss healthy by all reports and looking good is huge for this team total yeah so excited so excited for that. Speaking of um, Scherzer, we didn't touch on it, but he has sprained his ankle during training, and you know they're they're playing it off. Doesn't seem like a big deal, but I don't know who remembers Anthony Rendon's oblique, but I do. <laughs> so I worry about these. Oh, it's just a tweak. It's no big deal. Things until I see him pitching and in Max's healthy. defense, 
In Max's defense, you cannot compare an oblique to a um a sprained no, ankle. No, obliques not. do not go away. No, I just mean the way the Nats downplay oh, injuries. Like, oh, I I know exactly what you mean. But yeah, I just want to say you cannot compare the no. two. Totally different. It's like a rolled ankle. It's not like an oblique strain. But yeah, I just remember that spring training where they're like, oh, he's going to miss a day. He stayed a day. And then you're like, oh, look, it's June. <laughs> yeah. But he was in the best shape of his life. So, you know. They always are, aren't they? Yep. Not his fault. Not his fault. All right. Next thing we have, we're really excited about. We had the chance um, this past weekend to interview Maria Torres, who's the new Nationals beat reporter for The Athletic. She was kind enough to share some of her time with us. So we are going to play that interview for you now. All right. Hi, everybody. Welcome, please, Maria Torres to the show. She is the new beat reporter covering our nationals for The Athletic and um, a Georgia native who's now going to be in D.C. covering our club. How are you doing, Maria? Thanks so much for joining us. Well, Amanda, thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. We're excited to chat with you. And of course, we're all, you know, horribly jealous that you're getting to watch everybody at spring training and we're not. So (laughs) please, more pictures, more videos. We all... (laughs) We all can't wait to see them. We're baseball starved up here. <laughs> I understand that. I definitely need to start looking at the emails because I actually haven't gotten down to spring training yet. Um, hopefully will in the next couple of weeks. Um, so everything we're doing is over Zoom. It's kind of strange. <laughs> oh, yeah, that is kind of strange. I figured you were down there. That's interesting. Yeah, everybody, all of us are doing everything via Zoom these days, I suppose. So before we go any further and start um, talking shop a little bit, can you share your social media handles with our listeners so they can follow you if they aren't already? Yeah, I am on um, Twitter at Maria underscore Torres 3. And that's the same username I use on Instagram, too, although I will say I don't really use Instagram a ton, um, and I mostly just use it to, like, follow my friends and family. So don't expect much Nationals content on there, but you feel free to follow me if you would like. I will, you know, definitely post photos and videos when I have them. Um, so anyway, that's Maria underscore Torres 3. It's perfect. It's nice when it's the same at multiple places. It makes it easy. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. So how did you come to be a sports writer, cover baseball? Did you grow up rooting for the Braves, being a Georgia native? Um, Yes, I did grow up rooting for the Braves. I started watching – I really didn't care much about baseball until, like, middle school. Um, And once I did start watching them – watching it, it was was the Braves just because I grew up just south of Atlanta. Okay. Um, I ended up watching – my first year watching – baseball was 2005 like watching it you know like not casually um, like really invested in it it was 2005 so the last year of the of the Braves like 14 year their dynasty yeah exactly yeah I don't think we'll ever see any team win 14 straight division titles again I think that's probably the last time I mean I guess right now they're what (laughs) they're three in (laughs) yeah they got a ways to go though and hopefully the Nationals will have something to say about that this year yeah, exactly. It's gonna say, like you said, I think it's just kind of impossible to do that now. There's too many, um, too many teams that are, thankfully, trying to compete in the in this division. So yeah, this division is gonna be a crazy competition this year. We're actually has one of my questions for you a little later in the show. I always like to make people try to give their predictions, especially when it's the very beginning of the year and they have nothing to go on. Yeah. Okay. Good. <laughs> like, <laughs> I hate those. So. No, so do I. That's why I always make people do it. So I'm not the only one, I guess. 
so what are your kind of initial impressions? I know you're new to covering the Nationals, but as a Braves fan, I'm sure you've, you know, been aware, you know, watched the Nationals for years um, from a slightly, slightly more of a distance. What are your initial thoughts about what they've done this offseason and how they're looking heading into this, this new campaign? Yeah, you know, initially, I just get the impression that they're, uh, they're actually kind of trying to, to get back to the playoffs. I don't, and I can't speak for what they did the previous offseason because I honestly haven't gotten back to look at what they they have done in the last few years. Um, but for this particular offseason, definitely they you know added a couple of arms in the bullpen, you know, short of the catching situation and the catching depth there. Um, uh, I guess, you know, you don't really have to add a ton to the starting rotation when you have Scherzer and Strasburg and someone like Corbin and his potential. Um, but, you know, adding John Lester, obviously a veteran um, lefty who Corbin can can kind of pick his brain. Um, I think that's, that's you know, they're all really very solid moves already. Um, and one thing that I think is really like, – we'll see, obviously, how it plays out and whether or not it, it is uh, important, but um, – the fact that the Nationals do have three, or I guess four, like, veteran starters who have, I mean, I guess you can remove, like, Corbin from the list just because he's younger, but when you look at Strasburg and Scherzer and Lester, you've got veterans who, you know, what it's like to, to pitch, you know, make 30 starts a year, and they, you know, a long layoff like from last year probably won't have as large of an effect on them. Um, and I don't think that's something that a lot of the other teams in the, in the division can say yet. Um, you know, you, the, the Mets have um, guys who are coming off injuries, and the, the Braves have also guys who are coming off injuries, and generally as a younger rotation. So uh, I think the Nationals are kind of like poised to at least get a leg up the first half. So it should be um, – this first half will definitely really be interesting from that standpoint. It'll, I think it will be um, – I don't know. I don't want to make like a first half prediction, but like, you know, I think it's a very good chance that the Nationals have like a, a chance to get a good leg. I think they maybe get off to a good start. Yeah, they definitely have the elder statesman rotation of the division or maybe of the whole league. Yeah. They're just elder in general. We're definitely one of the oldest teams in baseball. <laughs> if yeah. not the oldest team. I know they were the oldest team when they won the World Series a couple of years ago. So Yeah, and I think they were still the oldest team last year too. So they're, they're probably still very up there. <laughs> yeah, we have a lot. I have two co-hosts on the, the podcast here that um, weren't able to join us today, but hopefully we'll be able to have you on again in the future and you can meet them then. But um, we have a very, uh, we always talk about how, you know, maybe they ought to get younger and then they need to bring in younger arms and then they wouldn't get John Lester. So <laughs> I guess they were really going younger at the rotation, but um, they, you know, it's definitely interesting to see that fifth rotation spot and what's going on with that. That's actually one of the questions I wanted to talk to you about is, I mean, they've got a lot of people that they're you know maybe talking about they've got ross who you know after taking a whole year off last year i'm not really sure what to expect from him and then you know both and betty have been kicking around in the nats organization for a long time and then um armenteros who's the young guy they've got who i you know has been mentioned by davy a couple of times as maybe also competing for that fifth spot so do you have any um insight or thoughts or expectations for what you expect to, to happen there um, I, I think I just expect that that spot is a little more, it's definitely not as stable and it's going to be filled by, it could be filled by a number of people to start at the beginning of the year. Um, especially because, and this might be the case in, it's not just the nationals. It'll be the case with a lot of teams. Um, that 
layoff from last year, the lack of innings available to pitchers, all of that is going to just make it a lot more difficult for pitchers to feel. Um, you know, pitchers are never, you know, quite at nine, like even 90%. Um, yeah, but it might be a lot of injuries like we saw last year. I mean, the pitchers were dropping like flies with right. injury because of the lack of spring training and, and just such a weird year where they weren't able to prepare as they normally would. And, you know, it, it, I feel like we do have a very strong rotation with the nationals, especially those top three, obviously, but if somebody goes down with an injury, the depth really isn't there. So it'll be interesting to see who winds up with that fifth spot at the beginning of the season and which of those guys who don't wind up with it might end up having to do a lot of fill in if, if any of the big three go down with injuries. Right. Yeah. And I guess what I, the, the point that I was also just trying to make is that um, a lot of them just won't be stretched out. Like they're not going to be stretched out to five innings a lot of, in a lot of cases um, at the beginning of the season. Yeah. Let alone seven or eight. <laughs> right. Exactly. So it'll take, it'll take more than one person to fill the fifth spot on their rotation at the beginning of the year. Um, so it could very well be uh, Joe Ross and Eric Fetty. It could be Austin Both. It could be Rogelio Armenteros. It could be any of them and it could be all of them. Um, so I just kind of expect all of those guys to just continue to build up their innings. And I mean, especially Joe Ross not playing last year, um, that's going to be really important for him to stretch out. So, um, yeah, I think that'll be, that'll be the, that'll be, I think that'll be end end up being kind of a close competition, but it, it, it won't be really easily resolved. Yeah. I don't know if I think that anybody, I heard Davey said, I think it was yesterday, the day before that he wanted to see somebody kind of claim that spot and earn it at a camp so that it's a settled spot. And I don't really see how that happens. <laughs> yeah. It'll be hard. Yes. That would be a difficult one. Um, speaking of starters, Strasburg, who we were really, I mean, after being out with injury all of last year, we really heard nothing about the drum. I've been beating a lot on the podcast is when are we going to hear anything about Strasburg? And so um, Davey said yesterday, he looks I think the quote was, he looks real good, which is great to hear. Um, what are you hearing or seeing from down there? Does he look, you know, normal? Everything seemed like he's he's completely fine. That that hand nerve injury, whatever that kind of nebulous injury was, seems to have resolved itself. Yeah, um, from what I hear, you know, and, and this is from, from Dave Martinez, just because he's the one who was actually down there with his eyes on Strasburg and there have been no reporters down there yet. And, you know, from watching that a little bit of his bullpen on, on a Zoom call. Um, he, it is a weird thing um, for you guys, I bet. <laughs> it's very strange. It's very strange. Although, you know, he seemed fine. He didn't seem to be, like, hurting. Um, Davey said that, it, that that Strasburg came out of it feeling good and that to him, to, to him like, the mechanics looked clean. Um, so that's obviously a, a really good sign. Um will like reporters will get a chance to talk to Strasburg on Sunday. Um, oh, great. Well, yeah. So we'll have a little bit more of a better update on it, you know, as the days come, but um, all signs are pointing positively at the moment. So good. Well, that is good to hear because, you know, not having him, obviously it was a very disappointing campaign last year. And I think him being out was a huge part of it. And hopefully Strasburg or Scherzer gets back to form because he did say, I think a couple of days ago, he never really felt right. Yeah, last year, so. right. Yeah, Scherzer, um, he said it was like some mechanical stuff that he was looking at that he kind of pinpointed after the season that he thinks he could do better. 
So honestly, don't be surprised if he's back to being like his normal robot like son. Yes, that's what we want to see. That's what we want to <laughs> see. Um, okay, so let's talk a little bit about third base. Um, there was so much speculation this offseason about whether they were the Nats were going to trade for Chris Bryant or Justin Turner or what they were going to do at third base and was Keebum the guy and, you know, were they going to let him, you know, have the starting spot without really having to compete for it? And it looks like the answer to that is yes. Yep. Um, do you think he gets a short rope? from Martinez going into the season or do you think Rizzo might go out and get somebody if, if he, his struggles continue and he just doesn't look like he's going to be able to, to hold down that spot. I, I feel like they really needed it. They went into the off season saying their biggest need was a big bat to hit behind Soto. And of course they got bell, but I don't know if he really fits that, you know, traditionally fits that role given that he hasn't really um, impressed a great deal since the first half of 2019. So I'm just really curious about Keyboom and, and how you think that situation might play out. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll start first with the big bat part of it. Um, they got, you know, Kyle Schwarber is a big bat when he's good. So When he's good, yes, he sure is. A good. lot of homer power. A lot of it counts on him bouncing back and, um, you know, having a, having a solid year. He's not one who hits for average, obviously, but he does get on base and he does can put the, he can put the ball out of the park um, when he gets his bat on it. So, I uh, definitely watch for a rebound from him and from Josh Bell. But, you know, as far as, as third base is concerned, I think that job is his, is, is P-Booms for, for a while. I don't know. I have not gotten the sense that it's a short rope. Um, Rizzo spoke the other day, and he said that he's never, he's not going to judge a player on, you know, 150-something plate appearances um, to start his career. So I kind of get the sense that they're, they're, gonna, they're willing to, to take a bet on him for a while. Um, you know, the good thing is that they do have, have some in camp who, uh, some infielders in camp who could, you know, spell Kibum if he needs a couple of days to just kind of get his mind right. Um, uh, Jordy Mercer is one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there are other options as well uh, as far as uh, infield backup. Um, I don't know, does Zimmerman still play third anymore? <laughs> no, I, he hasn't in a long time. Because his shoulder hit some arthritic shoulder thing years ago, and that's when they switched him to first. But I don't. I honestly couldn't even remember the last time I saw Zimmerman at third base. <laughs> <laughs> I would be shocked to see that. Although I hope whenever he decides to retire, they like put him out for one inning at third base so we can that all like cool. enjoy it one time. One last time. That I'd would be shocked cool. to see that. <laughs> yeah, so that's, see, by the way, that's like kind of my, my experience with the Nats is like watching them. Uh, play the Braves for the first part of. Then you went a whole lot of Ryan Zimmerman at third base. Yeah, only Ryan Zimmerman at third base. Um, so anyway, um, Kiboom. They're just not. I mean, they. You know, they, that's just. I think that's just where they want him to be. Um, they don't want to send him to the minor leagues, at least not for now. Thing is, like, if you do, if you weren't, if you weren't to win the job out of camp, like, where do you send him? You send him to spring training for another month. Um, yeah. It's a it's a it's an interesting question. They're kind of in a conundrum with him because he was such a highly touted prospect, and you really want him to be the guy that that we all expected him to be. And it could be that you know there was some report that maybe he had an injury last year that they never properly diagnosed or it was never made public. I'm not really sure. That's all sort of nebulous. But um, yeah, I mean, if that's the case and he has a comeback year, then that would be fantastic. But it just we've talked on the podcast a lot about how it feels like they're counting on a lot of guys to have a comeback year. Like if if Schwarber bounces back and if Bell has a, you know, a a breakout year that's similar to 2019 and if Keeboom can, you know, have a breakout, it just seems like they're counting on a lot of 
guys to have like, you know, comebacks. Yeah, definitely. And that's not like a great spot to be in, but I just kind of playing devil's advocate. Um, you can't predict anything that's ever going to happen, right? It's true. <laughs> you, somebody mean, might go down with an injury who's your Mr. Reliable, and then you're, you know, stuck with whoever's your depth guy anyway. So, yeah, it, anything can happen. Yeah, so I guess that's that's kind of, like, the the one thing to kind of keep in mind. But I do understand, like, the concern, um, especially considering, you know, Justin Turner was available and right. could have played third base. But Justin Turner also probably wasn't going to come to yeah he never wanted to leave LA it seemed like yeah, exactly so that was like one of those things you have to hedge your bets and the best bets that Rizzo could find were you know flyers yeah. on Bell and, and Schwarber and you know just at least shore up the rotation shore up the bull, bullpen a little bit um yeah I really like the Bell move that might be my favorite move they made this offseason I, I really thought that kind of came out of left field to Houston baseball reference but um i didn't see that one coming but i think you know if he can get maybe not all the way back to what he had been you know in that in that first half of 2019 but if he can get anywhere close to that he's going to be a huge addition to the lineup yeah and it seems like that he's been working on that um that aspect like just during the off season made a couple of mechanical adjustments to his swing well that's exciting maybe working with kevin long will will be helpful for him and i also think there's something to be said for the the uh, psychological aspect of, of being on a team that's contending or at least trying to contend versus being on a team that's kind of mailing it in. Yeah. I bet, I bet that'll, that'll definitely be a boost for him. Um, it always is for players who come from teams that don't win. <laughs> so. <laughs> I know you're like, how do you say this euphemistically and not be insulting? Right. Teams that, teams that struggle consistently. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, for instance, I covered the Angels for the last two seasons before this, and they traded before 20 season. They they traded for Dylan Bundy, who was, I mean, he was just fine. He was a he was Dylan Bundy in the American League East. Uh-huh. Uh, he gave up a lot of home runs. Um, he came over to the AL West and flipped the switch. Just kind of, you know, it, I, I, part of it was like the level of competition, um, you know, mm-hmm being in a, in a situation where at least the Angels were pretending to try to win. <laughs> and uh, also, um, it's a bit of a different environment in the AL West versus the AL East. But uh, Yeah, I for sure. And I think just the change of scenery for some guys, that really seems to make a huge difference. You know, you just get into a rut maybe where you are, and, and a change of scenery can make a huge difference. Exactly. Yeah, like that, that could very well be the case with Schwarber. Like that, that change of scenery could re- be really big for him. Let's hope that's the case. <laughs> so who do you see as the biggest roster questions maybe that we haven't already talked about or maybe stories that you think are not getting as much attention, things that you're wondering about? Um, I am curious to see how uh, Victor Robles makes it through spring. Um, you know, he had that ankle injury in, in winter ball that mm-hmm. uh, Dave Martinez said he's recovered from. Uh, Martinez also said that Robles has, um, has lost some weight and that he's looking good. Um, and that he kind of worked on his agility. So, uh, no, that obviously is a, is a big question mark for this team. Is how can how, how can Robles establish himself? It's not just Kariki Boom. It's also Victor. It's Robles. true. He's actually this kind of analogous situation in some ways that you know Robles was such a highly touted prospect, more highly touted than Juan Soto for a long time. And um, you know he's and he's been he's been good in a lot of ways. He's terrific defensively. But he definitely hasn't lived up to the five-tool player kind of billing that he had coming into the majors. And uh, it will definitely be interesting to see 
what happens and how his early season goes because it, it definitely looked like maybe he had bulked up a little bit. And sometimes for guys who need, you know, speed and, and agility, bulking up is more counterproductive than anything. Right, for sure. I mean, and then the other thing is like I, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I would imagine that he's a lock for opening day. But if he's not, I mean, there, there are a couple of other options, at least on the, on the, yeah. on the invite list who could kind of help. Yeah, out. if that ankle doesn't, back and, like it's 100% or something. Yeah, exactly. So, but yeah, I think Robles, um, I think that's a really interesting um, story line to follow. Uh, Strasburg, obviously, got to make sure that he's healthy um, because it's just kind of riding on that. I'm really interested in Patrick Corbin um, and to see how he bounces back from last year, what he, what changes he made over the offseason to kind of um, just get back to, to using a slider dominantly again. Um, although, to be fair, like, it was still a dominant pitch. Yeah, I love watching that slider. <laughs> <laughs> it's, still, it's still really good. Um, I think I was just looking at – there was something I was looking at the other day. Um, just the swing and miss on the slider kind of went down. So um, it'll be interesting to see how he uses it, if he uses it differently at all, or if it was – he said he said the other day that he never really felt quite right um, during the season in 2020. So um, he, he started his off-season throwing program a couple of weeks earlier than he normally did just to kind of make sure that he was completely ready to go at the start of spring training. And he said that he felt better um, already. So um, that's, well, that's helpful. Yeah, exactly. And, you, you know, <laughs> if you have those three guys of that caliber at the start of the rotation, like, you're, you're pretty much okay. Like, whatever happens after four and five, obviously you want guys who can at least throw five innings and be reliable. Um, you definitely need that. But, like, at least with those three guys in the front who can usually give you six or seven quality innings every time they go out. Mm-hmm. They always um, give you a chance to win. Exactly, yeah. So it, it should be – it should be good. Um, like I said, the, yeah, those, those storylines, like two pitchers, basically, Strasburg, Corbin, and then Robles and Kibu. Yeah. Yeah, definitely interesting questions. Um, what about the bullpen? Do you, there were quite a few new faces this year. Do you have any particular one that you think is going to make the biggest impact? I think I'd probably pick Brad Hand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think Brad Hand is like the obvious one. Um, and I'll be honest, I haven't gotten a chance really to dig into the bullpen yet, so I, I can't really give you a good analysis of it. But you know, Brad Hand is Brad Hand. One of yeah, exactly. You can't really be you can't be upset to have Brad Hand in your bullpen. Yeah, the bullpen's been a real question mark for the Nats for a lot of years, particularly in 2019, that first half where they famously went 19 and 31. You know, the bullpen was just dreadful. I mean, dreadful wasn't even a strong enough word. It was just like you felt like you needed to go get a stiff drink every time the starter came out. You're like things are about to get ugly and uh you know when they he short reserve short up the bullpen a bit for the second half and then of course the rest is history but um the bullpen has definitely been a struggle over the years and the Nats have always put so much you know money and, and resources into their their starting rotation and sometimes the bullpen has kind of felt like an afterthought and it does seem like they're going into this year with a much better bullpen than they generally do yeah yeah exactly um yeah Brad Hanna obviously just he, he kind of just turns everything for you um, you know that you'll have someone who like steady who can get the ball into the hands of, of Daniel Hudson, if, if Hudson, assuming Hudson is still the closer. So, yeah, I'm curious to see. I mean, I wonder if they're going to share that role, being that they, you know, righty and lefty, just situationally choose who you want out there. But Hand is definitely a nice, a nice addition. 
Okay, let's get to the fun part where we predict the NL East finishes. So who do you think is going to win? And then if you had to pick an order, one through five. Um, who do I think is going to win? Well, I know what the projections say. <laughs> I know you're like, because you're a Braves fan, you don't want to say it. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's going to be the Braves. So <laughs> I think it's going to be the Braves. So if I had to pick, you know, one through five, I think you can go two through five. Maybe you could switch them up around a little bit. But on paper, at least the Braves look like the the team to beat in the East. Yeah, I, I think so. I think it'll be really interesting to see how the Mets do. Um, I, I don't know. I really do think that the Nationals could come at least get a wild card out of us. Um, but the Mets are really going to be, like, really going to be nipping at everybody's heels. So, honestly, one through three could be a kind of a toss-up, um, depending on how everybody comes out of spring training. I still think that, you know, so the Nationals rotation has a leg up, um, and the bullpen being so more solidified now, that's a really good sign um, for the, you know, at least the prospects of, of, a, of, a, of a postseason berth. So um, I, I think easily, this, I don't know, this might be a, one of those divisions where you don't really get a 90, you know. Someone yeah, they're just going to beat each other up so much that. This could be one of those divisions where, like, maybe they max out, like, the winner maxes out, like, 92 wins or something, and everybody else is in the 80s. Um, I think this could be one of those situations. Who do you think comes in last? The Marlins. You think so? I'm picking the Phillies to come last. I just feel like they're kind of a train wreck right now. Uh, well, you know, <laughs> it's the Phillies, but I do, I just, I don't know, I wouldn't discount Dombrowski. Um, yeah. The Marlins, I mean, last year was just such a fluke. Uh, the Marlins aren't really in a in compete now mode. So um, no, it was fun to watch a lot of teams. I do kind of hope they expand the playoffs again. I know they haven't yet, but maybe that happens. Maybe not all the way as far as they did last year, but a little bit to give more teams. It was exciting to see some teams that you don't normally see in the playoffs get a chance and get those fan bases excited. Absolutely. Like I, I had a ball watching the Marlins in the playoffs. <laughs> oh, and those days where there was just baseball all day long. Like we never get that in the playoffs. If you're lucky, you get four. Hmm. Oh my gosh, it was great. I was in California at the time, so like I woke up, turned on the TV, and it was oh, That is just like 10 a.m. and you get to watch baseball. That is fantastic. Yeah, it was like a football Sunday, but it was baseball, so <laughs> it was so much better for me. Yeah, that is awesome. We always get the early game on the 4th of July, the Nats do. They always get the 11 a.m. game on the 4th of July. I always love that, so people can go watch the game and then go down to the mall and watch the fireworks. That was cool. I didn't know that that was a thing, an 11 a.m. game. Yeah, it's a, it's a tradition in, in, uh, in D.C., so to get to enjoy that this year. Okay, the most important question we ask every guest because we have vehement disagreement on the podcast amongst the three of us. Pro-DH or anti-DH? Man, um, I've only, like as a beat writer, I've only covered American League teams, but I just can't. I, I'm good without the DH. Oh, yes, I'm the only one who hates the DH. <laughs> so every time I get somebody who agrees with me, I'm like, yes, that's good. It's a more fun game without the DH. And also, it just, it's so long with the DH. Just such a long game. I, 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 miss, I miss the games that came in under three hours. <laughs> yeah, it seems like if you grew up watching National League Baseball, it's hard to adjust to the DH. And I just, I don't know, I just can't stand it. I love all the, I love all the strategy involved in National League Baseball. And I've heard some interesting 
proposals, one that somebody talked about um, earlier last season when they had um, the DH in the National League was about the possibility of having some sort of rule in both leagues where when your starter comes out, your DH comes out. Yeah. Which is sort of interesting. I'd rather just not have it at all, but I would rather see something like that so at least you get some, you know, I don't know. I think it's an exciting thing to have no DH. And I like watching pitchers hit and I think if they had to hit they would be better at it everybody always says pitchers are an easy out but I'm like if they knew they had to hit they wouldn't be such an easy out although I will say like from a like from you know like when you look at the integrity of the game yeah you would definitely like to see no DH um but when you do consider the fact that it's just so much easier to get hurt these days maybe yes which is a good good thing (laughs) You're hedging your bets here. Yeah, I get it. It definitely has arguments for and against. But... I prefer watching games without the DH in it. Yeah. Well, I will agree with you on that. All right. Well, I think that is all the questions I have for you today. Hopefully, we can do this again soon once you're down at um, spring training and have some, you know, have had your own eyeballs on what's going on down there. Yeah, I would love that. All right. Fantastic. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much again for joining us. Um, you can follow Maria at Maria underscore Torres 3 on Twitter and Instagram, although as she told us, you will probably get much national stock on Instagram. So (laughs) follow if you want to. We really appreciate it. And we look forward to talking to you again really soon. All right. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. Take care. All right. Thanks again so much to Maria for joining us. If you don't already follow her, you can check her out on Twitter at Maria underscore Torres three. And uh, she's going to be posting lots and lots of good Nats content. Um, If you don't subscribe to The Athletic yet, I don't know what's wrong with you, but you can do it now. It's never too late. And uh, hopefully we'll have a chance to talk to Maria again soon. Heaters, that interview and this show is brought to you by Manscaped. Spring training's back. Pitchers reported. Position players this week. And you know what that means. We get the fresh cut grass the cleats clacking like Ryan pointed out, you know, maybe some fingers crossed fans at the ballpark, but I have to go back to that, that grass, man. Is there anything better than fresh milk grass at the ballpark on opening day? Nah, nah. How about freshly groomed balls? Our sponsors at Manscaped, the global leaders in below the waist grooming are here to help you strike out your bush for good. It's a whole new ball game, folks. Balls game. <laughs> See what I did there? All new balls games, folks, and Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. Worldwide. Wide. Wide. If you're, you know, we do have some international listeners. If you're listening to this, don't think that this doesn't include you because it does. Manscaped has got you covered. Go to manscaped.com. Use promo code HSHH20. Get yourself a lawnmower 3.0. Get the full package. You know, it's 100 bucks. Promo code down to 80. And free shipping. Don't worry about tax. They're probably losing a ton of money with this free shipping deal but they don't care because they care about you and so does half street high heat use our promo code hshh20 20 percent off and free shipping today go do it clean up your balls get ready for some baseball season because it is time we gotta get ourselves in playing shape my guys let's do it mid-season form Best shape of her life, baby. Form. And speaking, and speaking of best shape of her life and Manscaped, this week's Manscaped 
poll slash draft of the week is inspired by the NHL. In case you guys don't follow the NHL, they played two games this weekend outdoors at beautiful Lake Tahoe. The scenery was amazing. It was right on the water with with the beautiful mountains. Only problem was um, NHL forgot that the sun exists and the sun melts ice, so the games got moved tonight, and you couldn't see any of it. But they got to do the intros, which was fantastic. So we're going to do our own draft of where we would like to see baseball play. Um, I already did the random generator while Nick was doing his fantastic, fantastic ad read. Unfortunately, I got first draw, did not want first draw. Um, Amanda got second and Nick got third. So same draft rules as always. I'll get started. Nick will pick twice and then I'll close off with my second pick. All right, <clears throat> let's do this. Bum, 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 bum. So this, this is tough because, like, you can't just put a baseball field anywhere because baseball fields are such a weird shape and they're so big. Like, they put a basketball court in the middle of a freaking, like, airline jet. Uh, one of those aircraft little, carrier. Yeah, aircraft carrier. Like, they're perfect rectangles. They could do it anywhere. So I'm thinking about Unless it. the ball Where, goes in the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> so they have to go retrieve it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm thinking about this. I'm going strictly for vibes and my oh, first man. vibe. And I'm, 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 I have like four on here, but I'm going to start with Mount Rushmore. I feel like <laughs> a fourth of a Ju- fourth of July, right? Get the ballpark right down there. What better way to celebrate? I did not um, expect that to be your first pick. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, I've been I've been thinking about this for a while. There's a lot of places I went, but I thought to myself, what better way for baseball to celebrate America than by playing on stolen land? It's perfect. <laughs> We're playing on Mount Rushmore. Oh, That's no. my first pick. I mean, baseball is ruled by old white men, so it would be honoring their heritage. Wow. Wow. I didn't expect this to get political right out of the gate. <laughs> I mean, it's just facts. Anyway, I love that pick. I actually love Mount Rushmore. I saw it for the first time last year. It's it's pretty awesome. Um, and I also my uh, I mean the I Dakotas don't... don't exist. You can't prove otherwise. So well, two of my children are from there. So no, they're from Virginia because they're your children. Come on, come on. Yeah, I uh, I actually love it there. And the the that whole area of South Dakota is gorgeous. Anyway, um, I am going to go a little bit more uh, in the box, I guess. And I'm going with Hawaii. I think Damn you it. go somewhere. Oh, I stole yours. Somewhere where you've got like just a stunning ocean view. And they've got lots of, you know, flattish areas, especially on the Big Island where the volcano is still making new land. You've got lots of like not a lot of stuff in the way. You could definitely get a ball field there something with stunning views and would maybe get people in Hawaii where baseball's not a real big thing um, interested in it. So that's my first pick. Damn. That's what I was going to go uh, because the, the best part about these um, destination games is like Ryan said, the vibes, but also the views. So um trying to think of an example like the field of dreams, which is a current thing. Mm-hmm. I don't, they didn't get to do it last year because of COVID, but it's ha- I, believe it's supposed to be still happening this year and if you've seen the movie field of dreams you know you got the corn stock it the field looks awesome so you have the vibes but also the view so you get those you know picture perfect shots so that's why mount rushmore hawaii field of dreams uh fort knox like all these places are perfect right so if you you know want 
a, a real draw, you got to have views. And that's why I was going to go Hawaii, but I'm going to go the complete opposite. I'm going Alaska because, wow. you know, they can have it. Alaska is, you know, cold, obviously, but it still gets warm in the summertime. They it's, have a, it's they have a baseball league and their backdrops are gorgeous. Right. And, you know, you look at like the reason this whole draft has started was Lake Tahoe with those views, that vibe, you know, you can apply that to Alaska, too. And like I said, the, the weather, yeah. the weather still permits it. And hell, I mean, it gets cold at night. I don't know how cold exactly if they can pull it off. Maybe you get a little northern lights action. That'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. That would be All awesome. Right. I like it. So, so I have a second pick, and I could go a couple different ways. I was trying to think of something, you know, different, but I really wanted Hawaii. I don't think I'm going to get it. So I'm going to go. I want to be specific. I I want to try to do something, uh, I guess, Dominican related because so many ball players are from there. So I feel like they might be able to work something out. I know they do it in Puerto Rico, but Puerto Rico is obviously an American territory. Um, so I'm just going to say the Dominican Republic because I think a lot of players would be behind that just like the NFL does games in Mexico. So I think some agreement could be reached there. And again, you get sort of the views, the backdrops, the culture, everything that's going to make the game a hit. And plus you get to grow your game internationally, which is something we obviously want to do because baseball is such an Americanized sport that you want to grow your game to, you know, other cultures, other fans, other kids. So the, you know, age gets younger, et cetera, et cetera. And plus, you know, these these kids in the DR or wherever get to see the, the players they idolize right there. So I think it'd be a great experience. I love that pick. And it's so funny that I took your first pick and you took my second pick. So I'm gonna have to move on down my list, yeah. but I'm on the same kind of train of thought that you are is I love the idea of an international destination that helps grow the game. But I went in another direction here with my third choice, which is London, which is something that the mm. NFL has done to try well, to, MLB has done it too. Yeah, MLB has done it too. Yeah, I know, but I don't think that It does not count. This is places they have not yet gone to. They play the the whole series, and they're going to go this year, then COVID happened. Next, go down your list. All right, I'll go down my list then. My next place was to do it in... Florida. No, (laughs) Florida. Well, my next one, and I picked this because we had, for years, when my boys were younger, uh, we had exchange students from France, and we would take them down to games at Nats Park and they know nothing about baseball nothing like in France it's just not a thing they don't know he did like Adam LaRoche though because he had a French name that was his one (laughs) the kid who would come and visit us what a waste of a favorite player I know I was like no you don't understand but anyway that's a whole nother conversation Um, anyway so France if I'm going to move down my list is one where they don't know baseball Um, I think expanding into Europe where um, people could become aware of what a cool game it is and maybe you could start to see, you know, in Latin America, baseball's huge. In parts of Asia, baseball's huge. But in Europe, it just isn't a thing. So I would love to see an expansion into Europe. So I'll go with France. And specifically, I would say Paris, although I don't know France well enough to know exactly where that would, if there would be any space within the city to try to do that, to have a ball field. But so probably somewhere outside of Paris, it would have to be. Love it. That's a good one. So I'm 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 closing this out and I'm thinking there's a lot of different places I could go. 
You know, I'm thinking, I was thinking the National Mall, but I was like, man. I love that one. Yeah, I was know, trying to think of something I thought like about that, it too, but, but it wouldn't fit. I couldn't think <laughs> of anything. So I'm curious to see where you go here. Exactly. So I'm like, nah, I was going to say the uh, Vegas, the desert, have the strip in the background. So oh. like that would be pretty cool. But then you got to run into the issues with, you know, the extreme heat. And it also gets cold as hell at night. So there's not real good time to play there. So I took that one out. I was thinking Yellowstone, but I don't want my guys to die, you know, when the volcano in finally the croaks. <laughs> exactly. When that finally croaks. So I'm going somewhere random because I've been here a couple of times and there's like a big old park on the Canadian side. I'm going uh, Niagara Falls. There's a park on the Buffalo side that has the falls in the background. Absolutely gorgeous. Hitting tanks into the falls. Maybe you'll see Jim and Pam getting married. Who knows? Niagara Falls. I'm going all scenic, baby, ever, and ever, making it happen. Forever, ever, ever, forever, ever, ever. I bought those tickets as soon as I saw the YouTube video. Um, Yeah. So I'm going to Niagara Falls to bring it in with a nice nature backdrop right. to my game. I like that. Niagara Falls and Mount Rushmore. Those are good choices. I dig it. <laughs> yeah, Ryan's are going very classic here. I like it. Well, I mean, I could have gone London and Japan. <laughs> No, this that wasn't a shot. I'm saying, like, yeah, no, 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 no. I was taking. I was taking that a it shot couldn't be Amanda. anywhere anyone had ever had a baseball. I mean, it's. Before. I I thought that was common sense. Yeah, I, am I thought that was kind of. <laughs> you know, would be a great place, DC, and no one's ever. <laughs> well, been. you just said the National Mall. That is DC. Okay, how, how many professional baseball teams have played on the National Mall? <laughs> oh, are we? How many blocks away are we allowed? My, to? my softball rules, team, gentlemen. My softball team does not count. You know what's a real good place? Wrigley Field. <laughs> I do. I do. I've never been to Wrigley Field, but I hear it's nice. I hear RFK is not being used. Why don't they play there? <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna play in the. I Wrigley don't think it, I don't think you hear that it's nice. I don't believe <laughs> that that's true. I didn't say. No it one nice. has ever said I, that RFK I, is nice. I said it's not being used. Ah. Okay, well, that's different. I thought you said it's nice. I'm like, no, 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 no one said that. Can I have an amendment to my second pick in that I want it to be like a backyard baseball type field? So, you know, whatever that entails, I just want it like themed like backyard um, baseball. For, for the sake of the poll, just get a little more. When we tweet it out, just get a little more specific just because you guys are kind of broad. Oh, so I'll have a, a diagram. More, I'll yeah, have a diagram. Just get, get a little more specific. All right, got it. <laughs> I'm going to Google pictures of the yard and just pick one and say, right here. (laughs) Circle it. (laughs) Put a red arrow pointing at it in the picture. Like what the guy says from uh, the bench warmers. Keep it under a billion. That's all I have on me. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's move on to our one big thing for the week. Who wants to go first? Do I I just take... (laughs) My shot at the owners, you know, it's low hanging fruit right now. I feel like I you really did that in your week in review. I mean, I just, I do it every week. I hate them so much. I mean, um, I have one if you want to wait or like want to think. I'll just, I'll just say I'm happy baseball's back. That is a big spring thing. training's back. I'm excited. Just post some damn content. I don't care who it is. Just post some videos, some pictures, Dodgers. a little bit of something. The Dodgers are showing every single one of their <sighs> spring training games on TVs. The Nats aren't showing any of them. I'm Give so jealous well that's because no one's left to work at mass and to broadcast them they fired everyone that's so. very true <laughs> but uh mine's easy because mine got cut off last week due to zoom just hating us um i've decided to be a little bit more optimistic this year just turning over a new leaf of getting older 
Um, so I decided to be a little bit more optimistic. You know, I'm fully on board. The Trey Turner is going to win NL MVP in 2021. Uh, Steven Strasburg is the best pitcher on the planet, and uh, there's no evidence to refute those. So I'm going full on board. And now with the addition of Jeremy Jeffress, I get to add that the Mets have the best bullpen in baseball. Mm-hmm. Don't care looking at the rest of the, the you know, 29 teams. I know the Nats have the best. So I am going to be optimistic and I am going to, you know, do my best to hold to it until, you know, March 3rd. Or welcome something. aboard. Yeah. Homers are always welcome. It'll, yeah, you'll start to feel depressed by, you know, like the third week of May, but it's fine. Oh, well, then I'm already set because depression and I are best friends. <laughs> All right, I'll go next with my one big thing, which is um, tangentially related to your weekend review when we talked about Mather. Um, so there was a there's a reporter named Brooke Pryor. I don't know if any of you saw this on Twitter today. Um, she is an ESPN NFL Nation reporter. She covers the Steelers, and she posted something today of some comments some asshole made about her being. She, she said something about being excited about these this podcast three women are doing, and he tweeted something back at her about how, why is she excited? She weighs five times more than the three of them put together. And I'm like, first of all, what the hell's wrong with you? Like, why would you talk to somebody like that who's a perfect stranger? But she posted this and a lot of people, you know, were very supportive and a lot of people kind of came at her like, why would you post this? You're just looking for sympathy and all of this. And I thought to myself, you know what? This is going to be my one big thing for this episode because I wish all of these female reporters who cover sports would do this every single time somebody tweets something like that to them or sends them a DM or any kind of a nasty interaction they have. I think they should expose these people and embarrass them and make it to the point where these people are afraid to talk to people that way, as they should be. You should not feel comfortable speaking to people that way. And uh, so anyway, I was just really... Glad to see that she decided to just, you know, call this guy out. And I am hereby staking my uh, territory that I would like all of these reporters to do it all the time. I think every single one of them should be made public. I agree. You know, if you're going to say some dumb shit, then you got to be man enough right. to, to back it up. So if not, you're going to get called out. And those people deserve to get called out. So I'm here Absolutely. for it. Yeah, me too. And I'll tell you what I tell my children all the time is if you're about to put something out into the internet world, I want you to think about whether the person you respect the most, if they saw that, how would they feel about it? Would you be comfortable saying or doing this thing in front of them? And if not, then don't do it. As common sense and adults who are talking to people this way are just, they baffle me. But I hope that they are, obviously this guy already deleted his Twitter, and but they're screenshots and screenshots are forever. But is every this Taylor Heineke? Them, yeah, it's not Taylor Heineke. Um Anyway, I just, this stuff, we talk about it every week. It pisses me off so much. And I feel like, I said earlier, there's a little bit of a snowball down a hill thing. I feel like there's a lot more support for the women who are coming forward with this stuff as opposed to feeling like, oh, you're causing trouble or you should keep it quiet so that people, you know what I mean? There's this, there's always been this culture about if you talk about it, then you're causing trouble where you shouldn't. And I think that might be changing and I'm, I'm glad to see it. So that's my one big thing this week. Yep. And we stand Gavin Lux. That's the last thing I have to say. <laughs> that's a good way to end the show. Ryan? Um, big Gavin Lux guy. Also, um, <laughs> team, team Syndergaard, Trevor Bauer sucks. <laughs> oh, how did we not talk about that? Holy we, were, we were going to, but we I completely know, forgot. We, we talked about grilled cheese instead, and I was going to bring it up. but. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, so Trevor Bauer is the now the the – 
little baby if child you, of Noah Syndergaard, in case if, you missed it. Yeah, if you didn't hate him before, now, like, he's, oh, he's, he's removed all, you know, insufferable reason. Insufferable douche is like, the only he, words I can use to describe that. He went from good for baseball to being the most unlikable person in the game. How did he do I that in one offseason? We I was literally rooting for him. I was rooting for you. We were all rooting for you. But we were. I really remember saying we had this conversation at the beginning of the offseason. Like, wow, this is so much no, fun. He's really engaging with the He was supposed to destroy the dark side, not join them. Yes, exactly. Only so anyway, he has become absolutes. absolutely awful like i just and how if you're the dodgers and you just gave that guy that contract and he's now spent the last three days bitching like a 16 year old girl on twitter like i don't even know what you could possibly be thinking <laughs> sucks yeah. sucks but we like evan lux that's the most important thing he's the, our rookie of the year we stand him no choice no all choice. right anything else before we get out of here no baseball We've rambled. There's baseball. Try There's more baseball girl cheeses. We don't get any, but other teams do. There's cheese. baseball in the world. Cheeses or cheese grilled cheeses? Grilled cheeses. cheeses. Yeah. E S. Chies. Grilled chies. No. Chies. I feel like we could come up with a good plural. You know how like some animal groups have weird names like a murder of crows? I was just I thinking like that. We should we should have some sort of a like a squad plural. of squid. A squad of squid is a good one. I've always liked an ostentation of peacocks is one of my favorites. But I actually have a weird obsession with, like, strange animal plurals. So I have, like, a long list of them that I like. I won't bore you all with it. But I feel like we could come up with a great plural now. It wouldn't be the first time you bored me. Yeah. Well, it won't be the last. Buckle up. That's for goddamn sure. (laughs) We're going to come up with a good uh, name for the plural group of grilled cheeses. So we're going to. You guys stay tuned for that on the next episode of Astri High Heat. Yeah. High Heat Grilled Cheese. That's what we're doing. Exactly. I feel like there's a tie in there somewhere. We just have to find it. Go talk to Chili's, see if I can get grilled cheese on the menu. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody's ever heard of one of those. That yeah. would be. All righty. Anyway, off the rails. You guys have a good couple of days. We'll talk uh, Wednesday. Thursday. Later. There's a new breeze blowing off the banks of the Potomac A new team's mowing down the ranks of their opponents The Nationals are smashing balls so that the commentator Who has the cause has passed the wall to see you later Let's go Nats We've got a game to play We're gonna win today Let's go By the early light of dawn, well you can see they're running scared Cause the kinds of bombs we're launching are bursting in the air Tell the Library of Congress that they might not want to look Cause we're putting curly W's in every book Let's go Nats, we've got a game to play We're gonna win today, let's go Senators are sent to send the pen at home for roll. D.C. <laughs>
Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.